seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogan world. It's a hopeless soul, with Aaron and Rogan world. What up, Rowit? Aaron. What's dude, up, dude? Dude, this is crazy because this is episode 15. And we started at episode one. So that means if you do the math, we've done like close to 15 episodes. Yeah. yeah, and, and Maybe actually 15. And, it, and, and it's actually impressive also, but a bit dangerous because we are now getting dangerously close to like the capacities of our ability to count. So <laughs> let's see how long we can last. We have to restart at one after a couple more. Cause you know, yeah, it's like it's up, it goes, it goes 18 and then back to one because yeah, what number yeah. comes after 18? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But if you've been enjoying this podcast, rate it, give it stars, whatever, give it a thumbs up to your iPhone. If you want to do that, we'd rather you, Swipe right, swipe left yeah. if you don't like it. You know, it won't hurt our feelings. I mean, we swiped right on you, but like, we get it. And uh, so, in this episode, we have an amazing guest and a, a topical guest. Uh, we have Simon Tu, who is a international actor, superstar, Asian film star, and also an activist who's bringing a new song of his to our show about what's going on right now. And we're going to dive into some of the real, real hard issues as well, like the racism going on with Asian Americans. And there more happened today with the president and, and that topic. And um, the whole concept of him saying, calling in quotes, the, the Kung flu, things like that, and how that affects the Asian American community and the Asian community at large at a time when we need to come together. So I'm really looking forward to diving in with Simon about that and what he's, how he's come to, to do all he's done in his career. I cannot wait to hear from him. And so can I just tell you something that, that happened to me last night that I, I was surprised about because you know, this Karen thing, uh, what do you yeah, know about the Karen? There's thing? many tiers of Karen. I'm, you know, I've, I've actually issued a, there was, I posted about a taxonomy a couple of weeks ago about the different various tiers of Karen. Um, yeah. Oh, I yeah. saw that. <laughs> so Karen is a type of person who just likes to, what do you say? Be sort of racist and mean to people. She wants to speak to your manager and, <laughs> um, and, because this world is hers and you better be following her rules or she's going to bug out on you with her big hair. So, yeah. okay. That's, that is the definition in Webster's dictionary. Yeah. That one. Um, so what, <laughs> what happened is I was leaving from getting food last night, walking to my car and I saw a Malay, a melee going a melee a malaw that's a fancy melee a fancy melee i saw something yeah. going on in the on the street and i noticed that there were a little group of uh possibly homeless men both of black and white um and then there was a woman with her dog and it was like exactly what you would think of when you think of a woman at eight o'clock at night with her dog little dog her being very Karen-y like you described and she was yelling at these guys who were these home these homeless men who were doing nothing they were just sitting on the street and she was yelling about how they're attacking her and this and that and then I watched her go up to one of them and start punching one of them in the the stomach a couple times so I started videoing this because I wanted to like Karen it like to show that these yep. are the people out there so I start videoing it from afar because I didn't want to get close to any of these individuals at the, in, during the time and then the, the man was screaming back and saying get away from me and then he saw me filming and then he started coming at me saying why are you filming us 
and I start running, not because I was scared of a fight, but because it's a coronavirus quarantine, and I don't want like a guy like getting super close to me. I would run because I was scared of a fight. And that <laughs> I but, I would run. I, <laughs> you'd run. Yeah. Um, I de- well, I don't. You know, I'm trying to be tough here. Yeah. Uh, tough men wear masks, and tough men fight. So I start running, and then my friend who I was with, he like got in the way and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he actually knew this guy just from walking to the market because he's a neighbor of mine. And so he stopped it and said, look, he's on your side. He's trying to help you and can't, because this woman's being ridiculous and yelling at you and offend, like offensive words and things I don't want to repeat and was also punching you. And he's like, oh, okay. And then what we did is we went and ordered from Taco Bell and got these guys a dozen tacos. And by the, when I came out, the guy was waiting from a distance and just said, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't realize. I just get so on edge because so many people try to attack us when all we're trying to do is survive Jesus. here. And it was a real lesson in, one, how these Karens and these types of entitled people just need to go away. And, two, how the person who you think is, like, maybe the bad guy really isn't. They're just also trying to get through. So it was just an interesting moment. And then what what it taught me above all else is that Taco Bell fixes all. I could not agree more on all the things that you just said. And I also, I mean, I hope that, you know, you got the crunchy tacos because I'm a crunchy taco kind of guy. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. It's an yeah. easy one. And yeah. And um, but yeah, what I do love is that bad behavior is being caught on camera and Karens have never been held more accountable. Um, you know, there, there were still like about, you know, earlier this summer, there was um, a sort of movement for people to say, listen, you can't say the word Karen because a bunch of Karens said that's like the N word against white women. And it's just like, <laughs> what? That's, that's just like, they need to all shut up. They need, they oh, need yeah. an Island. They need to quarantine on an Island for the rest of their lives. I just want someone to start like the daily Karen Instagram account. And just like it's new Karen videos every day. I'm sure there's somebody doing, out there doing that, but it's exciting to see um, the people that complain the most for no reason are now getting uh, lit up Karen. on the internet. Yep. There and you I'll put up my, uh, I haven't done it yet, but I'll put up my Karen video at the, at my, the Aaron Wolf social medias on everything. And on Facebook and stuff, because I guess all Karen are. Yeah, yeah, all Karen are. Yeah, you know, it's like, I think post, everyone listening, always post your UKOs, your unidentified Karen objects, um, to <laughs> to the internet and just share for the world to see. Um, <laughs> and, and so sp- speaking of islands where we want Karens to go, I think you have, an, a, your first topic is about an, an island. Yeah, well, sort of. Today's topic, this is breaking news as uh, we are recording this podcast, but Ghislaine Maxwell, the uh, lover and longtime partner of the deceased Jeffrey Epstein, was finally uh, arrested today. Um, The FBI had been tracking her for months. Um, And for those of you who are not fully, uh, you know, aware of the news or who she is, she uh, was... um, you know, pedophile rapist partner of Jeffrey Epstein and her role through the decades or however many years she was with him was grooming young girls, bringing them in for them to be raped by Epstein, raping them herself and then threatening their lives and their careers uh, if they ever tried to talk or take any retaliatory action. So she was untouchable. She was out having brunches, posing for pictures with people over the past few months, um, almost like like soaking in the celebrity of that Netflix show that she was on. Well, Including FBI, a bunch tracking, of pictures with, uh, with the president. Uh, in the past couple months? I'm not... In, in uh, life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was... In Trump or even uh, Bill Clinton's almost 30 visits to Epstein's Rape Island, Prince Andrew's visits to Rape Island. I am so oh, yeah. excited for us to get, you know, for the world to get as many names and as much information as possible um, on, on just the horrible monsters that have been, you know, hidden behind the public eye because, you know, Epstein did not kill himself. Um, he was killed in prison. Um, it just happened to be a quote unquote suicide for the couple minutes that the cameras went out with substitute 
caretakers that were in on him. It's like out of a really shitty movie. Um, but so, or they gave him that moment to say off yourself. Yeah. He could have had that happen too. It could have, but you know, there's, there's forensics doctors saying that like he had like cracked neck bones that do not come from hanging. Um, so yeah. Okay. So it's, it's whatever it was. We know it was a scam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my hope where I get hope is that cool. We can expose the high profile predators in this world where my hopelessness comes from is that we will never actually get that because either she is going to uh, have some high profile lawyer and be cleared or, um, you know, she is offed in some way, which I don't doubt could happen. Um, but there is some argument saying that, listen, you can't treat the women, you know, not only Gillian Maxwell, but all like the high level pimps that she had, which are all women. You can't treat them the same because, you know, they could have been victims of abuse too and it's not fair to kind of arrest them which i think is garbage because you know what you're doing when you're staying with someone that long getting paid and bringing in young teenage girls to be raped you know what you're doing so i think i'm scared that we might never actually hear who did what and this might all just go away and she might be okay i agree that i'm i feel a hopeless that's the one thing to feel hopeless about my my hope is that we as a society learn from what happened to Epstein. And if they dare try to do something like that with her, we know that th- there's a fix in. So my hope is that and it's the um, Southern district. The, it's the SDNY, right? Who got her. So that's the basic, the most powerful court outside of um, anything in DC. And recently, the the person Trump tried to fire the person who ran it, who is, has all these cases against him, and he instead resigned, like systematically, so he could replace himself with another with a woman who I forget her name, but she's in charge of basically everything he was doing. The same, like she was like number two, and was even more strict than him. So she's in charge of this. And my hunch is they're not going to let, like they saw what happened to Epstein. These people want justice. That court is known for going after people and wanting justice. And they're not going to let, this isn't up to anyone but them. They are not going to let this happen because of what happened before. I I think you're right. You're right. I think that because there's there's so much you know, like mystery surrounding his mysterious death. And also the fact that the women never got their day in court against him. Maybe this is an opportunity that they're going to take all the measures to make sure that she is in court and that, um, she can be sort of, uh, facing the victims that she created with that monster Epstein. Cool. I think I'm feeling good. Yeah. So I feel good. Yeah. So I'm going to gong that. And so speaking of dire situations, it's time for our favorite segment on baseball. Rohit knows the O's, the Orioles, his favorite team. And so this week, Oriole Nation is excited because baseball is starting and uh, the the teams are reporting and everything. It's, it's very exciting. And I found something that I thought was cool. And I, I wanted to ask you or quiz you, Rohit, on, on how much you know about the this topic. The topic is the most popular Major League Baseball team in every state. And this is according to ticket sales. So, like, who goes to games from where? And I just thought I, they have a methodology. There's a whole methodology behind it that I'm not going to get into because it's long and boring. But it says every state. So let me just quiz you on a few. So guess who is the favorite team in Arizona. Diamondbacks. Exactly. Easy one, right? Who is Because they're the Arizona Diamondbacks. Who is the favorite team in Colorado? Obviously the Rockies. The Rockies. Now, a little more interesting, who is the favorite team in uh, Alaska? I'm going to go with either the Mariners or... You're done. You got it. Okay, cool. The Mariners are Alaska's team. Uh, so 
Now, let's get a little more interesting and go with the, uh, like, Iowa. Iowa, I'm going to guess the Yankees, because don't they have a farm team there? It's uh, There is a farm team. It's I believe it's the Cubs, and that's why it's the Cubs. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. It was Iowa Cubs. Duh. It's literally in their name. But, yeah, I think some of these places are probably going to be based on their minor league teams. Some of them have TV rights, but keep going. So, another one. California. Guess California. I mean, lots it of depends. Teams. Yeah, I mean, California has like five baseball teams or something like that. But if you were to split it, I think if it's Southern California, it's obviously the Dodgers. NorCal, it's the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they've split it up like that. They have not. Okay, then overall, I'm going to go with Dodgers. You're right. The Dodgers are, even though the Giants have won four World Series in the last 10 years, it's still the Dodgers, which is cool. Uh, now, I'm going to go to another interesting one. Um New York, because they have multiple teams. Oh, Yankees. Amazingly, it's the Mets, which makes zero sense to me. That is impossible. Except so many of the surrounding states are Yankee fans. I'm going to guess like Rhode Island, New Jersey. All um, of them. All that. Like... Like everything except Massachusetts is like red. I'm gonna guess Maine and Massachusetts are Red Sox, but like, yeah, like um, I'm gonna guess New Hampshire's. I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, you're, but you're right. Almost all of them. And mm-hmm. Connecticut is definitely Yankees. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. So they and also they're Yankee fans around the world. They're the they're the most popular. I think they're maybe worth the most of any team. I think outside of Manchester United. I think Yankees are the most valuable sports franchise in the world. They're division rival, and I hate them, but you can't deny that they've got the best uniforms in the business, the best hats, the best, the most iconic American team. Got to respect that. Yes. And then, so now let's ask you uh, uh, about Maryland. Uh, I'm going to guess Nationals. You're right. So you got your your Oriole question, and you're wearing an Orioles hat today, I guess, in honor of the beginning of – of uh, spring training and everything starting again. That's right. Um, That's right. I'm wearing my Blue Jay hat actually in honor of Canada yeah. Day, uh, yeah. which was yes, Go which Canada. was just happening. So, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, you were right. Uh, Maryland, which has one team, the Orioles, is <laughs> the Orioles are not the favorite team in Maryland. <laughs> I wonder why. Which is really rare. Yeah, because which is really rare. I think it's the only one. I think it's the only state that has a team. Where the team with the, the state with the team doesn't have the favorite team in the state, and I would argue that there's a solid chance that the Phillies are even ahead of the Orioles in that favoriteness in that state in itself because they're so close to Pennsylvania. Um, oh, and I'm sure that you see some Atlanta Braves uh, random fans that are around the country because TNT. Uh, or sorry, TBS owned by Turner has syndication across the country. And so Everywhere. no matter where you live in, you're getting Braves games. It's like I used to get WGN and I saw the Kerry Wood 27 or the 20 something strikeout game when I was a kid because we, we'd get home oh, cool. after school, turn on the TV and Cubs games are always on because they would play a lot of day games. So and I did that. I watched those, too, because the Dodgers weren't on TV as much as they are like they didn't have their own station and stuff. So they were on sometimes. But the games you could always watch were the Braves and the Cubs. Yep. Um, so, and the Braves are one that wins a lot of this, but I thought it was interesting. Good job. And you now know that your team is not the favorite team in the state that, uh, they are in, which is to put it mildly, absolutely hilarious <laughs> because they are depressingly bad. Um, and yes. Yeah. So, well, look, you know, your O's, you're obviously up on it. It's, it's, it's almost baseball season finally. And so that's, a very very exciting thing that you knew and i'm proud of you thank you i'm proud of everything about you so speaking of the orioles i just i'm going to jump in with with a a topic i feel a little hopeless about it which is july 4th july 4th weekend is now and i just don't feel patriotic we're about the United States, about coming together, about what we represent, and everything that we've learned in the last month about our country or have already known, plus the fact that we are not united at all. We are divided completely. Um, 
I just feel hopeless about this holiday. I don't feel particularly patriotic. I don't feel um, a sense of hope and like go America. I don't feel any of that. And it's the first time I've ever felt it. And I almost feel like, why should we? Why should we feel patriotic right now? Why should we feel hope? There isn't change. There, you know, the the real change hasn't happened for with racism and with because July Fourth is you know our day of independence, but it wasn't really the day of independence for like tons of people. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's true. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's the day that the country was emancipated from you know uh, our teetotaling friends out there, um, and. The here's what I feel. I'll always love this country, even though it's got its issues, have big, big ones, um, is that there's still no other place I would rather live. There's no other place that I think provides the type of opportunity that is being provided to people, even obviously with room to grow. Um, what I think is is amazing. We've been seeing some really American things recently. We've been seeing protest really, really uh, where people are like exercising their right to protest, that's a very American thing, and that's coming. In. We're seeing people exercising their right to speech and to just, you know, talk about, you know, how they're hurt, how they're feeling. Uh, th- there's, I think, there's some good America that's happening, and even though we have, you know, someone that is not universally loved, um, I think the latest polls vote that more than fifty percent of the nation would uh, have ruled out voting for him. I think that our country is still, I can't think of other places I would permanently want to live in that would be able to do what this country does and still, I mean, the country's still young, man. Dude, we're a couple hundred years old. Like, it's, we're still a fucking tween or a kid compared to other countries. And we've done everything from automate car assembly to create the personal computer to you know create the smartphone and like this all you know everything so much comes from america so much industriousness so much power and, and and great sports and great content and great everything like there's still so much good and i think it's okay to celebrate the good even though there's bad happening okay i'm i'm halfway there with hope the main hope i'm grabbing from you is about the protesting and the fact that people are standing up for what is what they are, you know, what for what for justice. And so that gives me hope. And that is something that America has done for so a long time. It's also happening everywhere. That's the thing is people are actually protesting against us. And like, like, you know, saying like they're protesting for us in support of what, in the world is going wrong in America. The the part that I'm going to challenge you with, I guess, before we can hope gong it, is so many people, that American dream in these last number of years has died, whether they, the whole thing with the border, the gaslighting with that, and then putting kids in cages, like that is was just, to me, disgusting. The, uh, right now, the fact that the you know government is doing really nothing about all these protests. They're ignoring them and saying that, and the president said that it's racist, that Black Lives Matter is racist. Uh, So, and then there's so many people suffering. I mean, I saw it on the street yesterday with uh, with the Karen attacking these people. And I was like, these people, so many people have no job, have no prospect of a job. And, and it's all because of what, quote unquote, the American leadership has done to this country for the last little while. And we're at the worst. So it's just it's hard to feel patriotism when so many people are, are suffering at the hands of our country. That is very eloquently put and completely reasonable. Um, I don't know if I have an answer to that, except I have I do have a lot of hope for that. In 10, 15 years, this country is going to look a lot different than it does right now. And that's going to be because, I mean, I was reading something recently where, um, oh God, what was, there was a girl, she was the first one in Alabama. She was the first black child that was uh, enrolled in an all-white school. 
And she, you know, faced obviously taunting and bullying and attacks from her fellow students just for trying to get an education, right? And the crazy part is she's 65 years old now. And the people running our country, Democrats and Republicans, are those 65-year-olds. Those are her classmates, right? And you even have a guy like, like, both people running for office have said horrible things about race. Some have made amends a bit, some have not. But you still have these old ass dumbasses that are still in charge of our country. They're going to be dead in 15 or 20 years. And the people who are crying out now, the people who are asking for change now, they are who are going to be running our country in those years, right? You had, um, you know, a long time running uh, um, uh, New York uh, representative um elliot something elliot engel maybe i don't remember his name um he was unseated by uh by a young black man that was running for his first office for the first time and that's showing that even the the long-standing sort of advocates like you know like the democratic leadership there even they are not safe to uh, just people accepting them and voting for them. Change is coming. Change is happening. And I think I'm taking Fourth of July as a celebration of that turning of tides. Um, okay. But if yeah, you know, but if some people aren't feeling patriotic, that's also in your goddamn American. Gotta give <laughs> the right to not. You know, it's it's not illegal to burn a flag. I'm not recommending you do it. But that is also what other countries will allow that. You know, what other countries can do. You know, like look at Taiwan. Look at freaking Hong Kong. You have no freedoms, even though you're like you know, an independent territory you're trying to be. So it's just like, we're okay. In regards for many things, bad in other places, I'm celebrating what's good. And you know what? All right. I, I feel hope in the future. And I, I like anyone who has made a mistake in the past, uh, like leaders who apologize or say, look, I was wrong when it was a different era. And I really was not thinking right in that era. We've all made mistakes, some worse than others. But what I really, really don't like is the people who are just not taking responsibility for this, who are leaders. And you're right. Those people will be dead soon. So yep. so that also gives me hope that change will come. And so yep, change there, is on the can, way. we can hope gong it. And also you and I, we get to social distance, celebrate July 4th together. And That's right. well, actually, Rowan and I, I mean, for those who don't know, we live in bunk beds together. So. Uh, that's like our living arrangement. So I'm on the top bunk. So yeah, we, so we celebrate everything together. So we get to celebrate social distance, celebrate this holiday together in different fashions. And we'll next week we'll talk about what that was like. So with, with speaking of that, uh, it is time to jump into the um, exciting interview we have because we usually do guess the BTS, which is based on our favorite uh, K-pop band. This week, we're not doing that. We are um, because we actually have a star that's in a star from movies in China, Korea, Taiwan, in movies in the U.S. and TV shows as well. And he has a song coming out that he's going to play a clip of on our show right before it comes out. So uh, move away BTS, our favorite k-pop band ever we just don't know their songs and let's have simon too come in and and talk about his song and his life and what it means to him right now to deal with uh racism and uh and the asian community right now so with that here's simon all right we, we are so excited to have on the hopeless show simon too the one of the biggest movie stars in the planet he has been on in, I mean, he has been in so many films in all countries from the U.S. to China to Taiwan, Korea, Hong Kong, Japan, France. And he has done more in his career so far than most people do in their lifetime. And what is great about Simon is he also stands for something. So he's not just using his platforms for, you know, to do more movies and TV, but he also stands for something and he has a song that we'll get into that's being released that is really special about now, about what's going on now and about bringing people together. And so we'll get into all that. But Simon, it is so great to have you on The Hopeless Show. 
Well, thank you again, Aaron, for having me here. And that, that's a very, very flattering um, introduction. And um, I just, I really, really want to do everything through entertainment to spread the love, the hope, um, just to get the unity together because we really wanted to fight um, this virus together. You know, there's so many of us want to do that and have building a better community. And so thank you so much for having this platform for us to be a part of. No, it's 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 awesome. That's what we're doing and to keep to keep growing this message. And that's why I always say the uh, this the, the, we're part of the logic party, which yeah. is uh, not left, not right, not conservative, not Democrat, but all logic and hope definitely falls into the concept of logic. And I guess I'll ask you that first because I want to go back in time a little but I want to ask you that first. So this concept of a logic party of this idea that we just come at things with logic and hope and uh, and the possibility for progress for the future by thinking of things logically. What do you think of that concept? I love it. I love it because even for actors or musicians, like for example, Mozart, music falls in logic, right? Like um, is do mi do, do mi so mi do, do mi re fa so do. Like, so we just embellish oh, interesting. it. So it's almost like a mathematical problem. And, and we solve it, we have dissonance, we have resolutions and dynamics. And for acting, it's the same thing. We have definitely dynamics, right? Different emotions from the beginning of searching for your soul to, to disparity, to growth, to love, to complexity, to lost again, and resolution. So um, I love logic in terms of the artist world. And I think I truly believe in that in the normal world as well. So having, how do you see, because I, we're going to get into a little bit about, about what's happening right now uh, from some of the racism to the, the hope that you're bringing uh, and the coronavirus and such. But a question I have for you is how do you see a difference when you're doing a film in Taiwan or in China versus the work you're doing in the U.S.? Where do you see a cultural difference or does it, does the art form take on a very similar similar um trajectory i honestly feel like it's like night and day like there's a there's definitely people being like oh yeah it's a simple when the camera turns on you know but honestly like been living there for like the last eight years in asia um the cultures are so different for example if it, if you're a japanese person who acts right like like you know like they're big it's animated because that is like that is, sorry that was a cussing word but still like um, that is is their expressions very animated that's why they're they're anime their expressions are like that right and if it's chinese um a lot of chinese actors i don't know why when the camera goes three to one action they become very big again but like um normal chinese people the traditional ones don't speak that much and they're very subtle huh. know what they think. So like, um, you know, so that's, that's how they express yeah, them. It's very subtle. And, and an American, I heard from psych psychological, a psychology class I took, it's, um, the expressive is six, 70% physical gestures. Hey, what's up, bro? You know, but Asians or, or sorry, at least Chinese, they don't like, Hey, Niyama! you know, you don't, they don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, like, Hey, Niyama. you know, like, that's it. Right. But I don't know why when it, when that, when the camera rolls they're like ah, they, they like exaggerate again. It goes big. So it's it's very different. Like the culturally is so different. So depends on like if I, like the co-productions I've worked on, um, I always ask them. So what's the main focus of the market, and what is my character? So if I do speak English, I want to be in that you know that audience space, right? So right more physically communicative, but. If it's when I speak in Chinese with Chinese, let's say a cop comes with, you know, but but when it comes to American, I was like, if it's American cop, I was like, oh, well, uh, sure, sure, I can give you my license. Uh, so <laughs> it's different. And what about, is there even a difference? So what's cool too about you, and I, I didn't mention is you, you, you're, you know, a bunch of languages. Um, and that's a, a neat talent in itself. Um, do you notice like in Korea, mm -hmm. um, which is a, to me, a, South Korea is a very, you have to differentiate because 
South Korea is a very progressive uh, country that is far ahead of the U.S. in a lot of ways. Um, I've never been, but I'm just curious what their, how they approach artistry and film and TV because, I don't know, it just, they, they're just, it's such an interesting, uh, fascinating, progressive uh, country. I, I love like working with Koreans like like they I mean I don't know their culture as much as like China or Taiwan other places but I did get a chance to work with some celebrities there and um they're very disciplined they're very very disciplined like um they probably train hours a day you know so they kind of took on some internationalism of um of from from the U.S. you know how like actors here they train all the time they're always in classes they're always rehearsing they love that yeah. they like make it almost like a game that's like we got to do this every day you know but um in china they don't have as much of that going on maybe because, because everything's so fast paced there but korea i i really like working with the artists there when it comes to like they um their discipline i mean every every place i try to find great things that they're doing you know, that's better than another culture. And I try to like learn from everyone. So, so it was very, very interesting to, to study that and to learn from, yeah, their culture as well. From their, from the, from the, the Korean, the South Korean culture and the, 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 what they bring to it, because it here, like, and I think we take a piece of artistry for, for each of us and we, we grab it and say, all right, this is a piece of what I want for me. Yeah. Not all of it, because you can't, you don't want to replicate and copy. For me, it was uh, the improv. Improv to me did, taught me more than any acting class I took. The, I did the Groundlings, which is in Los Angeles, uh, an improv troupe. And um, I did that for a while. And so what I learned doing that was, was reaction. Yeah. And sometimes it's uh, like you want to do it where you're really just, this is how we're going to do it and we're going to rehearse. It sounds like the Korean method is a little more like that. The groundlings method is more whatever's thrown at you, depending on how they deliver the line or what the scene is like, react to that. Try yeah. not to have it in your head, oh no, this is what I'm gonna do no matter what. And uh, and also in talking to people, just having a conversation, react to what's given to you. Mm -hmm. And then say, yes, now let me expand on that. Yes and, yes. <laughs> or yes and, yeah, that's the like, the, the the beginning phrase so yeah you know yeah I, I love it and so like I feel like South Korea to answer that question it's like I feel like they're very international in terms of they're Asian but also have some internationalists and that's probably why they won the Oscars you know um, for Parasite and um and yeah I think I can say it on on the show um so I I met like one of the senior VPs of Sony Pictures uh, when I was in Beijing because uh, they also have a branch there and her name is Winnie Baxter, super nice lady, super, super nice lady. Um, she also like really liked that kind of culture. So we actually had a really good conversation about it. Um, hmm. where, like, she saw promise over there and that was like three years ago. So she started spending a lot more time in South Korea and like meeting the, not just the artists, but the production and things like that. And um, yeah, she was just a really nice lady. Um, and 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 to the, the follow-up question, like, Yes, like I, I love merging all of these things and kind of like you, Aaron, like to wherever I meet this person, if they have something I can learn from, I'm going to try to learn from them. Like South Korea, right. for example, the discipline, even in the Asian culture, you know, and and in China, it's like the, a lot of things are fast paced and changes all the time. There's a saying, a colloquial saying in Chinese, saying, uh, so and that in English <laughs> means um, so your plans um, are going to change much faster than you planned them. So, you know, oh. you, you, you can plan all you want, but at least in, in a lot of the things in China, because you, you see like it goes up and down, things are happening all the time that oh. you got to just change your schedule, like on the constant. So at least in their environment of like their society, that's kind of the one of the biggest things that happened every day. So when I was working there, it's like lines are changing all the time, you know, like casts will change the next day. 
you're like, oh, we're, we're working this person. We already did our research. You know, we know who we're working with, the, the system, the genre, the tone. Okay, you go there. Uh, someone else shows up. Uh, okay, well, oh. yeah, oh, what are we going to do? And then and then I bring out the, the yes and because I went to uh, UCP. So I, I love improv. So I'm, I just use that and the Meisner technique that I learned before. So I was like, okay, feed off of them, you know, as much as I can, even though it, the tone will be completely different from what we expected as a whole and what we even previously shot sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but we just have to but adapt. It's fun. Yeah. Adapting is is really, I think the word adapt can lead us to, to this next place because I think what, what you're saying is you adapt to culture, you adapt to what's being thrown at you. And right now we're in a time mm. where everyone has to adapt because our whole world has been turned on its back with yeah. the coronavirus and we are in a stage of adapting one thing i want to bring up because you brought up um how the the emergence of the korean south korean film industry and how whitney baxter saw the saw the the hope there and it, what it could be and then um the director bong uh, bong jun ho made this movie Parasite. To me, it's actually not my favorite movie of his. I like Snowpiercer more, <laughs> but uh, but it won the Oscar. And so what was weird, what's been weird to me about, and I really want to know your thoughts, is I felt like this emergence, because I think that the that Asian, Asian artists have been neglected in our culture, but there's been this, especially through Korea, um, between the Korean music, K-pop, BTS, and then the the film like parasite winning the oscar uh there's just been this emergence of of asian culture into american society which is beautiful now things were going up now we have this coronavirus literally a month after uh parasite wins the oscar in korea we have this coronavirus and uh of late, President Trump has been calling it the the Kung Flu, which I want to know your reaction because I'm white, I'm not Asian, and uh, my opinion is just that that's backwards. But I really want to hear from you what you think of that, this progress, and then back, and then what that term it means. It sucks. To you. It really, really sucks because it's almost like we finally have a chance, um, at least for as an Asian American. I felt like we finally have a chance of voice, you know, almost like the civil war, and, but it's a peaceful civil war, you know, for us finally. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's because he's like the leader, you know what I mean? So it was like, as like, why would you do that? You know, like we don't yeah. talk about, you know, bad people about, because in America, it's supposed to be about equality, right? It's the United States. It's not uh, the, the one state, or I don't know, you know, the divided so, states. It's yeah, not the, divided, the divided states. And and that's also one of the reasons why I was, I was so heartbroken, you know, um, throughout this time, um, and I had to write that song. Like it was just, it, it was one of those moments where like I was on the phone with medical people, you know, like for my family members and stuff like that, and I was, I didn't know, you know, when you're really upset, you don't notice yeah. that you're tearing until it's, it happened later. You know, it's one of those moments. And it's just like, I'm like talking, I was like, I'm so worried, but it like tears, I was just like, I hear drops. And then like, I was like, wow, um, I have to do something and I don't know what I can do. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like a super rich or powerful man. I'm an average Joe, you know, I just moved back to my hometown and like, I'm just trying to do something to help someone. So, um, so yeah. what does that feel to hear that? Like this progress was happening and then you hear uh, the China flu or the Kung flu, like it's devastating. I mean, it, it's devastating. It's because it's so, so sad because it's like, I mean, I'm not a very political person, but like from this medical field, because my family's all in medical field and, and things. And I learned that knowledge at an early stage, even before other people. So I know that, you know, how to protect yourself. Like wearing masks, washing your hands. You have to wash over a certain amount of seconds because, you know, it's like, you're not, 
even if you put soap on it, it's not going to die right away, you know? So it's like, you didn't put it a certain amount of seconds, how to social distance and things you have to be aware of. Um, and, and that's why Taiwan did so well because they spread this information very early stage. And so I knew that very early on. And so I know a lot of family members, my friends in Canada and the US like wearing masks, being punched because they're being, you know, wearing masks. It's just like, like it really saddens us. Like, like what can we do? Like I want to set a good example and I also want to help you, but instead of helping someone, you get punched in the face. You know, it's like you That's get lost sometimes, you know? The, the, the thing that, that resonates with what you're saying that is so important is the passion that you're bringing to your work and what you're doing with this song. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about the song and then, and then are we, would we be able to then play a piece? Yeah. Yeah. So I just created this piece with my friend, Sonia Yuan. Um, so she had a poem and then I was like, I was like, wow, those, those are good words. So I made it into lyrics and we did. And then I made the music, the backing stuff. I was just hearing it in my voice and I was like, something's like a calling. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it, it took about only three and a half hours, but I don't really? know. Yeah. It only took, because I was so, I was like crying while I was writing, you know, but like, I don't know how to do the tech part and stuff. So I really had, you know, try to, it, that, that's what took a long time, but, um, huh. and, and, and we kept it the way it is. Like, it's not like a studio, fantastic orchestrated deal. The re reason why we kept it like that is because we want to share it to the community that an average Joe who don't even know anything about music producing, I've never done it before, you know, or whatever can do this because you can, anyone at home can use this time to see how we can help the community. And if we all do it together, we can probably get out of this much earlier. Let's say we get yeah. out of this three months earlier. Imagine the economy, how, how much better that would be, how much lives that would save, you know? So, um, and um, I just remember like, yeah, man, it's just so saddening to hear the people crying every night in the corner, you know, like hospi ho okay, hospitals are understaffed, right? So they're working overtime, super tired, exhausted, which means immune system going down and then they don't have a cure. So it's imagine like you're trying to save life, but you don't know how. All you can do is maintain and get themselves to fight over this virus. And that's so huh. scary. That is like so scary. That's like saying like, if you get a cut, 5% of chance you would die. You know, we don't know. But, and if you're weaker, if you're not, but in those environments, when people are scrambling, the chances are you're not going to be in good shape, you know? And so, you know, I really, sh a shout out to like the people on the front lines, community leaders, doctor, nurses, you know, everyone who's doing what they can, not just donations, but also activities and, um, do their part. So um, I really hope that this song resonates with people at home and doing their part at home. And and I, I think with that, we'll, we'll play a, a, a clip because I love the title too, We Will Win. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now I feel like with the divisiveness in our country, feels like it's just all being politicized. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. It's just insane to me. But what you're saying is just so true. It's just it's again, it's the logic party. It's using this, these facts to, to, to guide us so we can actually get over this quicker and we will win and we can beat this together as people, the people on the streets, the people who are fighting for justice, who are, who want to see a better America, we will win and we will do this together. And so with that, let's, let's, uh, let's hear a bit of the song. This is for the people, for our heroes, doctor, nurses fighting this war. This is for the people who swore an oath to save our lives through the hardest nights. We will win. We will. Yeah. 
that was awesome. That was great to uh, to to get to hear. Thank you so much for having me here. No, this has been awesome, Simon. And uh, and play the song, share the song with your friends. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, stay home, and we will win. Yeah, we will win. Thanks, Aaron. All right, thanks, Simon. Thank you, Simon. That was an excellent, excellent conversation that you and Aaron had. Now, let's transition to Hopeless TV. Hopeless TV. Well, Rohit, I watched a movie this weekend. Or this week, or weekend. I don't know. The days are all the same. And... It's called Eurovision. It's with Will Ferrell and uh, the uh, Rachel McAdams. And it was a funny movie. I recommend it to everyone. It also made me feel very hopeless because one of the funniest things in the movie is there's a couple characters that are the Americans because this is about this big song contest in Europe called Eurovision, which exists, which is a big Oh, yeah. Thing. Big? It's and like... It's like big everywhere except in the U.S. <laughs> except in the U.S. It's gigantic. And mm-hmm. so it's a very funny movie. Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams play the, the people from Iceland who make the turn the competition. It's really good. The depressing thing, which was also the funny one of the funniest things, is there's this group that they're the Americans, and they're like bros who talk dumb, and they're like the idiots. And what made me hopeless is it's so funny because they're just so dumb and stupid but it's also sad that in movies now, the people that they put as the idiots, like we want to put the dumbest people who are like the biggest jokes are Americans. And not only do we want to do it, but in watching them, I'm like, oh my God, I know all those people. They're exactly like half the people I know. Like not necessarily some of my best friends, but they're just the people that were around a lot. And that's what made it so funny, but also like, oh my gosh, they could have just cast like four people from like anywhere. <laughs> so we are actually uh, scheduled to watch that tomorrow. Um, our friends, so I won't is give coming. any more away. That okay. didn't really give much away. It's just, no, no. It's a it, small it, thing. It helps sell it though. Yeah. yeah. So give me, just give me hope about how, uh, about America being represented as being the dumb people. <laughs> um, I feel hopeful when you know what you are and uh, okay. <laughs> and I got to say, we can take a joke better than a lot of other countries can take a joke because we make fun of ourselves half the time. Um, so, yeah. And sometimes we are dumb and it's good to it's good to be aware of who you are, who you are. And sadly, I think the people who watch the movie who are really like these people are really not going to recognize it per se. But yes, I like the optimism there. So there, there's some hope. Speaking of hope, it's time for... I guess I'll go first. This game made me feel hopeless. I'm going to start the timer. One minute. All right, this is quick. So I was reading about wrestling because I was interested. Vince McMahon came up. I was reading about wrestling, and I saw, I want to know what he was worth. And it's there was an article that said he's worth $1.97 billion. And then under it, it, it said, you can view it in the link provided. Billionaires in the United States over the last three months, so since the coronavirus started, have increased their wealth by an average of 18%. That made me feel really depressed based on everything we've just talked about, about what's going on in our country. So give me hope. Oh, my God. Um, We're seeing an unemployment at Great Depression levels right now, and I have nothing against billionaires. But I know some of them used unscrupulous ways to get where they are. Some are self-created. But, bro, I have no hope for that. I am. I don't even know. I'm hopeless. It further makes me feel not patriotic about July Fourth because these people run the country. Oh man! Oh, All right, let's let's try to bring hope depressing. to the next one. That was just sure. like that was just like really just. I mean, I'm glad. I don't have a bridge right next to me. All right, let's bring hope. Let's find hope. We're not about that. We're yeah, proud. yeah. Okay, so so we're gonna extend this one just to just okay. If we're gonna try and find hope of billionaires becoming eighteen percent richer, is that a sign of 
I don't know, a positive return for the economy? It, no. Are we bouncing back? No, it's just them getting richer. But what is making them richer? Uh, because they play with the market, I think. And because, the, the I don't know, money, rich get richer. I mean, there there must be some sort of... I mean, there's got to be... I found one. I, I have an idea for hope. I'm going to quote one of the deepest and most profound films I've ever seen, and I've watched it recently and talked about it on the show, Dumb and Dumber. I'm going to quote the film Dumb and Dumber. Jim Carrey says, so you're saying there's a chance. So I'm going to say, so you're saying there's a chance. We don't know it yet, but there is hope from this. There's a chance that we'll figure it out at some point that there's hope from this hopeless topic. So to quote Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, we'll figure. Yeah, let's bring let's let's read let's bring this back next week and see if we can find some. uh, Until then, yeah. To quote Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. So speaking of billionaires, yeah, our next next topic topic is headless seals. So speaking of Toronto, along the shores of British Columbia in Canada, um, the there's been hordes of seals showing up that have been decapitated that have been showing up on shores. Scientists aren't sure if if they're dying and people are then just cutting their heads off as trophies or if they're being massacred. Um, this seems awfully messed up. Um, hope. Uh, all right. So hope is um, that really sucks. I know Toronto well, as I said, my family is from there. And I just don't think that it's the vindictive thing. I think there's something that scientists haven't figured out yet because Canadians aren't like that. They're not about chopping off heads of seals. So maybe it's the folks down in Buffalo, New York. But but Canadians aren't doing that. So I am, because Buffalo borders Ontario. So I don't think it's them. I think it's something with science. Okay. Uh, I've got hope that science can have the answers. Um, it's not Canadians. It's not, it's not them. Ca- okay. It usually isn't. Um, it's not. But I'm looking at these images, man, and it is horrible um hundreds and hundreds of seals just just clean decapitations so um, there's science science these are tough but science and um i'm not going to make a joke about headless seals because uh but i will say this that the artist known as seal still has his head and he is a great artist i will take that as the hope All right. We got it. All All right. right. Ready? Next Next one. Go. Ron Jeremy. Right before the quarantine, I happened to, through a friend, celebrate Ron Jeremy's birthday at a restaurant, like kind of was at the side, but did some shots with him and stuff. Then right after, right when there was a brief opening of restaurants before they all closed down again now, uh, Ron Jeremy was there again, and I got to cheers him again. And now he is... Arrest, and then now he's arrested for rape and tons of rapes. And I feel hopeless because this was like, this is this legendary porn star goof. And now he's going to go to jail for all these rapes. And I celebrate, like two of my recent memories are with him. Um, well, I'm fairly certain that after you hung out with him, you did not commit any crimes, correct? Correct. So I think the hope here is that uh, Ron Jeremy's rapiness isn't contagious. <laughs> Good, done. <laughs> All right, I didn't, ca- I didn't catch his rapiness. Yeah. Woo, solve that one. Woo. That was quick. <laughs> that was easy. All right, <laughs> and the last <laughs> one. Um, okay, so there's a uh, Unilever um, has a company out of India. It's a very, very big company. Uh, uh, brand. It's called Fair and Lovely. Um, they are a whitening cream. Um, and after all the BLM protests, the good news is that they changed their name from Fair and Lovely to Glow and Lovely because, uh, you know, because you don't want to, I guess they're saying, oh, we're not equating whiteness with loveliness, you know. Um, but the thing is, they are still putting out bleaching cream for Indian women's faces, which is a very, wow. very common practice. So Indian women can be lighter and not darker. Where's their hope in that? 
A lot of companies right now are going out of business after trying to rebrand because of quarantine and the coronavirus. And like Pizza Hut, the biggest chain, the biggest chain of Pizza Huts just went out of business. I'm hoping that Fair and Lovely and or Glow and Lovely goes the way of Pizza Hut because a lot of these companies are toast if they aren't run well. And I think it's gone. Okay, well, there's you know there's there's half a billion women in India, um, but maybe maybe at least you know people can embrace who they are, their color. But hold the presses. Did you say Pizza Hut went out of business? The biggest chain, the biggest the chain owner, of, uh, what's it called? You know, franchiser of Pizza Huts went out of business. Oh, that's super sucks, dude. When we were young, I was, this was actually going around the internet this week. When you'd go to like in store to a dine in Pizza Hut when we were kids, right? And you'd like wait the 15, 20 minutes for your pizza, and they it'd come out in this big cast iron pan, and it was all sizzling. It was, so it was cool. amazing, and like you get to sit on like this in the table with like the red lighting everywhere with the red plastic cups. That was an outing, and that pizza tasted so good and it was so amazing now it's just all takeaway and it's not the same man um so it's gone yeah. so goodbye oh. it, it it is going the way fair and lovely glow and lovely you know screw you lovely they're going the way of those pizza you know and maybe also which it went the way of that cast iron cool thing and that's great point. maybe and maybe black lives matter is gonna even like bring attention even though you know south asians they're you know it, it's you know, it's not about them in terms of anything that's happening with these protests. But the good outcome is, yeah, maybe there's it brings awareness that you have Unilever, a huge, giant mega corporation is making products that try to change people's skin color so they can be more white. Maybe they get roasted for that now that there's awareness. So cool. All right. Yes. I feel hopeful. So hopeful on that. Let's hope gong. Hope gong. And, and I just had the hope. Boing. 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 Yes. Right. So so finally, we have our submissions. So, wrote I'll read it, and then you, you give hope to this. Sure. This is Barry in Chicago. Reopening schools, question mark. And the movie 13th should be shown in every high school or grade or eighth grade. So that's more of a, what in the world are we going to do with reopening schools during this? We obviously are hitting a... You know, the, the, the virus is not magically going away. And she also is saying, how can we get a movie that educates shown in schools? Like so these this? are two, I think, two separate topics. I think one, schools reopening. Um, here's the thing, man. I When growing up, going to school was one of my favorite things because that's where all my friends were, you know? And it's like, even though you're like in, you know, since classes can be annoying, homework can be annoying. It's like you actually like get to get the heck out of there and see your friends. This time will never come back. Yep. When you look back on this and you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I spent a year not seeing my friends. You won't be, man. Think of the inside jokes. Think of all like the ridiculous, funny things that happen. Think about just all the stuff that's bringing you back with people. School, if, if you got to just do some homework on the side, fine. Um, in terms of getting sick with it, um, I'm sure that they are working on ways to secure that. I mean... I'd say just trust. When it comes to the 13th, I think everybody should see that. It's actually my work, my office, they're actually having, they're doing a book and movie club, um, you know, for during the quarantine. And, and the 13th, 13th is the first one in the in the film club. So people are going to sign up and oh, talk cool. about review it. So I think even at work, you know, it's like, it, 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 it's 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 being watched. And this is the film by Ava DuVernay, which uh, the, you guys know, you know, somewhere like three, four years ago. And it just, it talks about uh, the prison system, how prison systems have actually uh, constitutionally been an extension of slavery. Um, really, really fascinating. Um, I mean that- Just like the film Just Mercy, which probably will be on your list too. I'm sure um, it would be. Which we've talked about. And that's with Michael well, B. Jordan, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's, we talk, it was a- yeah, it's a really important film. So the, they're they're both about the prison system and, and such. So with reopening schools, I think the hope is that there's some way that we figure out so kids can go to school. We're not in charge of figuring that out, but there's got to be a way to give them some human interaction. And with 13th, absolutely, that's a great idea. Show it in every school. Cool. And, and so with the with the... Hope fulfilled because it's it's now time for us to depart. I just uh, thought I'd, I'd, we'd talk about Groundhog Day and how we're now living it because 
the coronavirus did not go away and everything is closing again. And uh, that is why we are here. We are here because, look, we're all like, it's like every day, it's like, oh my gosh, we're back. California is being shut down again. We're back at it again. Same old, same old. Groundhog Day. But what's also staying the same is us. We're going to keep being here. We're going to keep trying to find hope in all things completely hopeless. Today we did, I'd say, you know, we, I give ourselves like a 6 out of 10. But yeah. we did a pretty good job. And and also, I can't. We're gonna, the guests we're going to continue to have on the show are really guests that bring up these topics that are interesting conversations, fun conversations, but also really profound, like some of the things Simon said. And uh, I can't wait to, we can't wait to bring those to you. And um, so do you want to, do you want to take us out, Rowett? Yeah. Well, look for us on the internet. You can find Aaron at the Aaron Wolf on literally every good platform. And you can find me, Vohit for Rohit, with the number four on all the good ones, too. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, we're appreciating you guys uh, rating us and the nice things that you're saying in the App Store. Um, so we appreciate that very, very much. Um, and Aaron, catch you in a week. Actually, catch you in a couple days. I'll catch you in a couple of days. We'll have a lot to report about an insane July 4th that we are going to experience once we get off our bunk beds. Yeah, it's and one day I'll, I'll win the battle and get to switch and take the bunk bed instead of you. Well, the top bunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so. We'll see. It's not happening this weekend. I got <laughs> no, no. I almost I almost got no fight this weekend. Are you kidding me? I'm ready. All uh, right. All right. I'll just, I'll until just next time. Cool. Till next time, brother. Talk to you later. And you just can't take it anymore Here it comes, that glimmer of hope A light shines through the dark It's hopeless hope